Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 5, Episode 18, The Warrior. I feel like that needs its own theme song of The Warrior. I don't, I don't know what I it would be. I am The Warrior. Something is that, like that. Is, that, is that Pat Benatar? Maybe. In the 80s, I think. Maybe. Maybe. Should have looked that up. Anyway, if I find it, insert clip here. I feel like there's also more than one warrior song, but that one would be a pretty good fit. That's the that's the first one that comes to my head. Yeah. All right. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Any other banter before or should we just get into it? <laughs> no. Banter over. Done. Done business. Okay. We're All done. right. So this is The Warrior. It originally aired on April 12th, 2002. The story is by Christopher Judge with a teleplay by Peter DeLuise, also directed by Peter DeLuise. And on the commentary, we had Peter and Dan Shea, the stunt coordinator and Sergeant Seiler guy. Story by Christopher Judge? Yes, story by Christopher Judge. Yes. He was like, hey, for the last five or six episodes, Teal'c has had like one line. So... (laughs) Next one's I mine. To do. <laughs> he he like he has a couple more coming up in like future seasons. There's one in season seven that he did, and I think season six. It, that it like I think he like had the story. For, I don't think he wrote the script, but it's like he came with the story idea and was like, I think this could be fun. And they were like, Yeah, sure, sounds good. And you know, had somebody actually write the script. So how about you give Tilk more than one line? <laughs> that Most <would> importantly. Be- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you give Tilk his own episode? That would be You awesome. owe me this. You, we, they do. They owe him big time. Yes. That's so funny. <laughs> okay. So in this episode, Katano, former first prime of the late Emotep, is now the leader of a powerful Jaffa rebellion. SG-1 visits Katano's stronghold with the aim of securing an alliance, but O'Neill and the team soon learn that this strategic partnership may well come at a hefty price. Most definitely, every time they mentioned Emotep, it just made me think of the mummy. I know. Emotep. <laughs> and it made me giggle on the inside the whole time. A little bit, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there is a good reason why they chose Emotep. Because, like, Chris Chris came with the idea that it was Emotep. So. Ah, like, okay. He actually had that idea. So we'll get into it. I, um, I really kept wanting Brendan Fraser to pop up in there, and never happened. Fraser. 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 Not Fraser. 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 Got yes. it. There's no I in there. Just Fraser. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I just I still remember that like from Comedy Central thing. Fraser. My apologies. <laughs> our 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 apologies, Brendan Fraser. Apology. Yes. Because we know who is of course listening. <laughs> Of course he is. Why wouldn't he? Um, <laughs> uh, before I get into this, um, I did want to mention something Peter mentioned a couple times in the commentary because uh, of certain like themes and ideals that are expressed in the show at certain times by some characters that this episode was fully written and filmed prior to the events of 9-11. Because there's a lot of sort of like extremism and there's like a suicide bomber in this and stuff. And just this kind of episode hits a little differently after that so but this was like done in in the can before all that happened so people are like Ah. why did they even do this well because this happened first 
Yeah. yeah. So just something to keep in mind in case anybody. Train had wondering. already left the station. Yes. Got it. Um, and then one of the special features on a previous DVD disc was a Christopher Judge video diary that was about the filming of this episode. So they sort of talk about like the origins of the story and that it started with Emotep, as I said, um, and the fact that he was somebody who was very charismatic that Till could look to as finally like this guy, our rebellion, yay, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. that kind of thing. Um, they also talk about the style of fighting, which is based on capoeira. And they came to that decision, or, well, Peter did, because he was, like, at his gym, saw, like, a poster for, like, a capoeira, like, demonstration of some sort, and was like, oh, that thing, that's cool. Because the other interesting thing is capoeira actually started, was started by slaves who would do it to music and kind of make it look like dancing. So, like, the, the slave masters wouldn't know the slaves were actually practicing how to fight, Ah, so yeah, that's why it's okay. kind of very flaily and dancy and stuff. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other cool thing is, so at the end of that episode, when we get to the big Tilk and Katano fight, they actually built a special rig to shoot that. So for that, the actors and the stunt fighters were on sort of a raised circular platform, and they then built a track around that for the camera to spin around on as a way to sort of simulate like the bullet time effect that you know the matrix had made popular but just with a single video camera rather than like a hundred still photo cameras yeah okay so yeah got it interesting that's how they did that without needing special effects oh fun yes so yeah so fun stuff in there if you like you know special features behind the scenes kind of stuff that's on disc three i think and this episode is on disc five so it's a little weird Nice. Anyway, so this episode opens with Katano speaking to a large group of Jaffa. He calls this place where they are Kalma and that it is a place where all Jaffa can be free, knowing that the Gould are false gods. And we also learn that he actually killed his god, Emotep. So he's rattling up the crowd with a very stirring speech, and we see amongst the people in the crowd are Tilk and Braytek. Braytek has brought Tilk here to listen to Katano speak, as he thinks Katano might be the quote-unquote means to their deliverance. And we also get the first mentions here of, like, Jaffa dying for this cause and going on to quote-unquote live in Keb and blah, blah, blah. So there's definitely a sort of sense of this guy's great leader, but is also willing to sacrifice people to reach his goal, if you will. Yeah. 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 Uh, This is also where we get our Peter DeLuise cameo, sort of. Um. He's the guy yelling off camera, an army has weapons, an army has food, because they have very little of those things right now. So Mm -hmm. that's that's Peter for you. Oh, okay. So off-screen cameo, but it is there. Nice. So we come back from the opening credits, and back at the SGC, Tilk and Braytek are giving everyone else a rundown of what Katano was talking about and what he's asking for. And uh, Katano had actually approached them. I'm guessing he, like reached out to Braytac first. At first I thought Braytac had like just heard about Katano, but no, it turns out actually Katano wants the help of the SGC in some fashion. Um, And so like Katano wants like an actual alliance with, you know, Tilk, Braytac, and also the SGC, SG1, et cetera. Um, Because why not? Because why not? Yes. And, you know, Tilk's in favor of that because he has an army and right now, as far as Earth allies go, the Tolan are gone. 
The Tok'ra are still recovering from the attack on Ravana. The Asgard are who knows where, doing whatever. So having somebody like Katano on their side could be a good thing. Yep. Sam seems a little reserved, and Jack agrees, because he's like, if Katano wants our help, then he must be getting kind of desperate. Which, yeah, fair point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel's all for hearing them out. The fact that this group even exists is a massive threat to the Gould, which can only be a good thing as far as that stuff goes. But also, there's no way the Gould would just, like, sit by and let this kind of thing go on. So if they are going to help Katano, like, they need, he needs help now. True. Uh, Hammond then asks Daniel about Emotep, the god that Katano killed. And according to history, he was said to be the first pyramid builder. But among the Gould, he was nobody really. Like, he wasn't a system lord. Daniel calls him, like, a backwater planet <laughs> Gould. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. What ultimate shame, too, right? To, to be a Gould, but, like, be a nobody Gould. Like, yeah. oh, man. Yeah. The shame. Yes. Would you like some fun facts about the real Emotep? Would I ever? Okay. So the interesting thing is, as Daniel said, Emotep was not a god. He was just a guy. He was actually just a guy. He was very clever and intelligent, but he wasn't even deified until long after his death during the Persian conquest of Egypt in 525 BCE. Mm-hmm. So he was the vizier, sage, architect, astrologer, and chief minister to Djoser, who reigned from 2630 to 2611 BCE. So it was like 2,000 years later that he got deified, really. Um, And this, uh, Djoser was the second king of Egypt's third dynasty. There are also inscriptions on a statue of Djoser at at the Saqqara Pyramid that list Imhotep's titles as chief sculptor and chief seer. He was also thought to be a physician of great skill and as Daniel said, he's said to be the architect of the like first step pyramid in Memphis, which is the necropolis of Saqqara, which is about 200 feet tall. So. Oh, fun. Okay. There you go. That, that's well, Emotep. Then. Yep. Emotep. <laughs> so Braytag is firmly on Team Katano. And Hammond has ordered food and medical supplies to be sent as aid. The discussion now is what kind of weaponry should be sent. And Braytac is a super fan of Earth's projectile weapons. Uh, they would need enough for several hundred soldiers. And Jack and Hammond are like, that. that's a lot. Immediately like, oh, Ooh, that's they more want than weapons and stuff and things. And they want us to fully equip them. Huh. Huh. <laughs> Tilk suggests perhaps sending some weapons as a show of support, which, okay, we can do that. So mission approved. Things are being prepped in the gate room, and Braytac mentions to Jack that it's very likely SG-1 have met some of the Jaffa currently with Katano, previously in battle. Jack's like, yeah, kind of figured. Luckily, Jack doesn't remember. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. Ha yeah. ha. Yeah. Uh, Hammond really hopes Braytac's faith in Katano isn't misplaced, and Braytac's like, I would stake my life on it, and then walks off, and Jack's like, apparently mine too. Yeah. It's a very interesting concept of, you know, the the Jaffa are obviously very used to being told what to do and having someone to follow and believing it that it's kind of surprising that there wasn't a Jaffa until that point who was like, follow me, you know, to just have everybody to kind of latch on to as kind of the new religion of their own it's an interesting thought yeah i guess it had just been 
so long that they'd been oppressed by the Gould that it would take somebody exceptionally strong and courageous like Tilk to stand up and be like, I don't think so. Well, it's funny because they're also, um, I mean, the studies that they say on trends and stuff, they always say like the first person to do something, the trailblazer, if you will, is like the person that that is the weird one, the outcast, the whatever. It's the second person yeah. that's notable and makes it popular and everybody wants to follow them. So Teal'c is like the trailblazer. That one's like, ooh, no, I don't know, whatever. And then here comes the other guy. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, that's true. That's mm-hmm. so yeah, that's why Kitano has the big because mm-hmm. he's the other guy. Yeah. It's the second guy to make it look cool. I don't know where Braytech fits into that, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Cause it it seemed like Braytech was always just kind of like whispering in the background that, hey, maybe think about this a little bit. And then Tilk was the one that actually did something. I don't think Braytech mm-hmm. ever actually overtly did anything other than being like, hey, maybe think about what you're being brainwashed to think. Yeah, he was always very covert. Yes, definitely much more covert, yeah. So the team make it through the gate, and they're greeted by a large group of Jaffa that are gathered there. Daniel interprets some of what Braytech and the other Jaffa are saying to Jack, but Jack doesn't care. Just like, okay, hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, among those gathered around the gate is Ragnar who you may remember as the Jaffa who pretended to be part of like Tilk's rebellion. So he could be captured and brought before Apophis and Serpent's Venom. That's where we first met Ragnar. Kitano is away on a mission, but should be back soon. In the meantime, SG-1 have brought food supplies and a bunch of P-90s. And the Jaffa are a little disappointed in the P-90s. They were expecting real weapons like Zats and Staffs and things like that. (laughs) Like, oh, okay. Which is this code for stuff that we know how to use. Yes. Um, but anyway, let's go like to the camp and like check things out. Mm-hmm. So they make it to the main camp and you see like a whole bunch of different Jaffa from a whole bunch of different ghouls just working and training and living together. And it's cool and awesome and great. But as Sam points out, isn't it possible that some of these are maybe spies for their ghouls and they don't believe the ghouls are cross gods and stuff and... Braytac and the others believe that Katano can quote-unquote see into the very soul of all the Jaffa and know where their hearts lie. I'm just like, hmm, okay. Like, Jack, yeah, Jack's skeptical about that, but Daniel reminds him that it's kind of like when they had to trust Braytac when he let Tilka go through the Rite of Malcheron to break through the brainwashing again. And basically, things are different here, Jack. These these ways are not your ways, which will be a recurring theme. In this episode. Yes. They come to a sparring circle where Jaffa are training with, like, wooden staff weapons because there aren't enough actual staff weapons for everybody. And the two guys in the middle of the circle are going, like, quite aggressive. And, like, they're, they're, like, really going at it. And Braytac tries to teach them patience and balance, but that's not what Katano teaches. He teaches the Jaffa to fight with a single-minded purpose without giving any thought to one's own, like, actual survival. And we get in the commentary here from Dan Shea a lot of cool stuff about developing the fight style and actually doing the capoeira and where these guys came from and all of that, which was very interesting to hear. Oh, neat. So the two guys start fighting again, and they're, again, they're just going, like, balls to the wall, full out. Jack tries to butt in, but Braytac keeps him back. 
the one guy, Turok, though, manages to get the other guy down and, like, doesn't just leave him. Like, he goes to, like, land, like, the final blow, but Jack steps in and blocks it with his P90. And, like, he gets that, you know, training is something that needs to be done, but this is just beating the crap out of each other, <laughs> which is very true. But so Ragnar then says, Katano teaches that we must be willing to die as he is if we are to be free. And Jack goes, well, if you all die, you won't have an army. That's kind of stupid. <laughs> also true. Yes. Uh, Turok then challenges Jack to battle. He's like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm, sure, that's, that's going to happen. But like, luckily, we're not, we're not doing that. No, luckily Jack is <laughs> a because Katano has returned. So Yay. Um, there's lots I, I of do rock- love. I love Jack's attitude of just like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> He's like, That's not, <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, no, I'm not gonna yeah. fight you. Mm-hmm. Um, Katano and his men are greeted with raucous cheering as they enter the camp, and there's again also lots of raucous cheering throughout this whole episode that I love that they comment on. At one point, Jack's like, they like doing that a lot. Yeah. Um, but apparently, three men did, or three Jaffa did die in battle with Sipakna, but they will rest forever in Keb. And also, they managed to secure a stash of that. Yay! Yay! Kitano and Braytak greet each other reverently, and then he turns to Tilk and welcomes him and his brethren from the Tauri. As a reminder, <laughs> as a reminder, <laughs> Kitano lists all the ghoul that, like, the SGZ has been responsible for killing, and this includes Ra, Hathor, Satesh, Harewer, Sokar, Cronus, and Apophis. So that's that is quite a list, isn't it? It is quite a list. I did see something online where somebody was like, well, they didn't actually. They just set the things in motion that led to their their death. It's like that's still they're dead because of stuff the SGC did. So stop it. It's like just because they were killed in an actual explosion and not by like a bullet doesn't mean the SGC wasn't responsible. Whatever. Anyway, whatever. 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 SG1 killed Apophis. There don't care if it was the replicators, it was the SG1. Anyway, um, <laughs> Jack then introduces himself, and Kitano, Kitano recognizes his name as one cursed by every ghoul. So, oh, fantastic. Wasn't it, was it just last week or the week before where we were talking about, like, does Gen SG1 have disguises or something? Like, how do the ghoul not know what SG1 looks like? Yes! Apparently, they know their names, but apparently they don't know their faces, so. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kitano thanks him as the Jaffa of all those ghoul of all of those ghouls that they had killed are now among their numbers there in the camp. Jack responds in one of the ghoul greetings from earlier at the gate, surprising basically everybody. He also offers their alliance. Daniel speaks about their food and supplies, and Jack's like, and we also have weapons. Again, no offense, but Earth weapons aren't really what they're looking for. Well, then let's demonstrate, shall we? Oh, I do like this. Me too. Uh, according to the commentary, Brad Wright actually had the idea for this scene as a way to sort of explain why SG-1 is able to handedly beat the Jaffa so often. Like, let's just have an actual head-to-head of Jaffa weapons versus Earth weapons so you can see why we're so good at killing Jaffa, basically. Yes, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everybody's kind of gathered around a sort of firing range type setup uh, at the far end. There's three large logs hanging vertically from another like wooden frame. Sam explains the particulars of the P90 and then Jack asks who the best with a staff weapon is. And that would be Ragnar. So step on up Ragnar. He fires three times, hits the targets twice, which, you know, not bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sam... And first they're like, a girl. And Jack's like, yes, a girl. So, mm. or no, Tilt. You know, it's it was funny, though, like, 
there's there's women there. Yes. Amongst the Jaffa. Yes, but apparently they don't do the same kind no. of thing that Sam does. We'll get to them later. Don't worry. We'll come back no. to female Jaffa later. Okay. But, yeah. Because I luckily, noticed that in the scene of like, but there's women standing there. What the hell? But anyway, but yeah, no, Tilka's like, no, don't. Yes, Sam is going to do this. So, um, but wait, before Sam starts firing, Jack's like, get the thing swinging. So they start the big log swinging. Sam steps up, takes aim, unloads the clip, and like cuts the log in half. So, yeah, yowza. Pretty good. Yes. Jack then asks Sam to show what a P90 can do when it's set to single shot. So she changes how the gun fires, takes aim, and cuts the rope that's holding the log to the frame. So, yeah, that's pretty damn impressive, I gotta say. Smug look on her face, well-deserved, and seen. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Jack holds up a staff weapon and says that it's a weapon meant to intimidate their enemy. The P90 is meant to kill. And any Jaffa there that have met SG-1 in battle against a Gould know what Jack is talking about. So Katano mm-hmm. then accepts the gift with gratitude and humility. Time to party! Yay! Yay! So back at the camp, everybody's like eating dinner and getting into the details of what this alliance will actually look like. Katano brings up the fact that the guns have limited ammo, but he's assured that he will be provided with clips as needed. Katano doesn't really like that because that means the SGC can kind of hold that thing over his head if he starts doing things they might not approve of. Yeah, it's not fair. Yes, but and the interesting thing is we start seeing Tilk kind of switching sides a little bit because he starts referring to the SGC as, like, they and them and not, like, me and yeah. we, which mm-hmm. Jack reminds Tilk, hey, you're, you're still on my team. Remember that? Yep. Me, you're, on, yep. you're, you're on the side. Uh, Katano refers to all the Jaffa there as my people, which seems to set Jack on edge a bit, and Katano deciphers that as Jack being worried about seizing power for himself. And Sam's like, well, you are gathering an army, which, yes, Katano kind of leads them, but any Jaffa there can claim... Jomoseku, which Daniel translates as challenge of leadership, which is basically a battle to the to the death of the current leader and his worthiness to lead. Because mm-hmm. of course it's a battle to the death. Why wouldn't it be? Right. There's then again this whole thing about the ways of the Jaffa and the ways of Earth and how they don't do things the same way. And Jack seems to want to make the Jaffa do things the way Earth does things, which that's not the point of this. And Braytac interjects to, like, try and calm things down and be like, maybe our differences can actually bond us together and, like, make us stronger. You know, what, no, there's not one way that's right and wrong here so far at this point. <laughs> yeah. Is it at this point or is it later where they talk specifically about, like, you would deny the, the traditions of the Jaffa or something, um, which I think it might be here. Because I thought it was a really interesting thing that, he said because because like um, who, who actually made oh. the culture of the Jaffa? This it's coming up in a couple scenes. Oh, okay, all right, I'm getting ahead of myself. But yeah, yeah I thought, not too I far. Thought that was an interesting comment because like who yeah. made the culture of the Jaffa? Not the Jaffas themselves. No, <laughs> maybe it's changed a little bit, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, tomorrow, Katano and his Jaffa are going to go raid a shipment of supplies that are meant for Nirti. He invites SG-1 to join them, and if they do, they'll get a share of the spoils, which Jack likes that. 
So Katano then tells them that there's no shame in needing to sleep before they head out so they can excuse themselves. <laughs> Just had to stick that right in there. Had yeah. to get that yeah. one in. Yeah. 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 Um, so Tilk and Arachnor are sitting in a tent with some other Jaffa, like eating and drinking. And like Tilk seems happy. Like he's with his people. There's free Jaffa. Like it's like it's happening. This thing yeah. that he's been kind of fighting for. And he's like smiling and laughing, which like never happens. It's great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Ragnar seems sure that Katana will soon offer Tilk to like officially join them, which Tilk's not so sure about that. He's very aware of this tension that's going on between Katano and Jack. And Katano then enters and assures Tilk that they will be free with or without the help from Earth. Tilk tries to apologize, but Katana's like, you have nothing to apologize for. I'm, you know, he's all for the alliance with Earth, but he knows Jack isn't totally on board, but it doesn't matter. They'll do this with or without Earth's help. It just would be nice to have it. Yeah. So the rest of SG-1 are talking in their tent, and Daniel and Sam are not quite as far not convinced as Jack. Like, they're not really for or against, but they're they're definitely more middle of the road than Jack at this point, who's still just really held up on this, um, this point of, like, the other Jaffa being so willing to die for Kitano, in a way. And Daniel mentions that that was something that the ancient Japanese feudal lords did, like the whole charge into battle with no fear of death kind of thing would make you a better warrior. And what about that whole like challenging Katano for leadership? There's no way anybody's going to do that. And Jack, he just he still has a problem with the whole dying thing, which Daniel says, you have a problem with dying or you've got a problem with the fact that they don't have a problem with it. And Jack goes, both, I think. So, both of them things, yes. Yes. So, um, time to get some sleep, though, because there's team bonding in the morning. Yay! <sighs> time to ambush. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rise and shine, kids. Time to ambush. Time to ambush. So, so they're on the other planet, which is like the same place they've been filming everything else, but it's got like an orange filter on it, so it's a completely different planet, because that's how TV works. <laughs> Um, so Katano calls out to Nirsi's Jaffa as they get near like the cargo ship that's there and one of Katano's men opens fire first with a P90 and so then like massive firefight starts between both sides eventually yeah, Katano just reminded me so much of like stormtroopers <laughs> like no <laughs> is hitting anything no except that one guy who kind of flops over like a fish <laughs> yes which they actually talked about that guy. They like wanted it. They needed it to be bigger and like he wouldn't do it or so, or like he had problems doing it. Cause he's just like, he's like, he was like six foot four, 230 pounds or something. They said like, he's just a big guy. And even with the padding, he just couldn't quite get it down. And apparently Peter demonstrated by just like throwing himself down into the dirt, like without any padding. And he did it perfect. And why couldn't this guy do it? <laughs> Anyway, and Peter and Dan together are just, they're both very funny guys. So there was a yeah. lot of, oh, I forgot to mention one of the other funny bits at the beginning. Uh, anyway, we'll maybe go back to it if we have time. No, <laughs> funny bit. Anyway, so yeah. So like nobody's really hating anybody except for that one guy. And then at one point, Katano just gets up and walks out into the middle of this big like open field unarmed, completely somehow avoiding being hit by anything. And Jack's like, he's insane. And Nirti's first prime approaches with his staff weapon 
at the ready and Katana walks right up to him so that the staff weapon is actually like just like right against his chest. Basically challenges this guy to either join them and fight for freedom or kill him now. And so after a beat, the first prime lowers his weapon and there is much rejoicing. And so an interesting thing they brought up in the commentary is given the reveal that happens later... This scene could actually kind of be interpreted two ways. Either these Jaffa kind of fall for Katana's speech, or they're working for Emotep. I totally thought it was all rigged. You thought it was all fake? All just, rigged. Oh, just yeah. like a play for SG-1 of, look at how powerful and amazing I am. Just big ol' show, because okay. it would then make sense why nobody was actually hitting anybody with anything. That's true. Yes. <laughs> That is very oh, true. for show, yeah. Yeah. So, back at the camp, more rejoicing. Yeah. Yay! Jack kind of, like, calls Tilk to the side and expresses his concern over Katano's actions earlier and how he could have gotten everybody killed. Tilk, though, is now, like, firmly on Team Katano. Uh, that Jaffa horn gets blown, so Tilk heads off as Daniel and Sam walk up to Jack. And Jack is now concerned about Tilk buying into, quote-unquote, Katano's act. And Sam's like... I don't think it's an act like she's pretty sure Katano really believes in what he's doing and that he's like a hundred percent committed to this thing. Jack just thinks Katano thinks he could walk on water. (laughs) Basically Katano's head is up his own ass at this point to Jack. Yeah. Kind of seems this way. Teal'c, like the character of Teal'c seems to be so hopeful that he like just in five minutes he's like this man is amazing like he there's so many storylines where he just falls for false (laughs) false hope everywhere the poor guy well it's been (laughs) like time it's been five years at this point and this thing he's been struggling and scraggling and there's little bits and pieces of it here and there and maybe like four or five Jaffa there a few there and now here there's like a whole camp of it. Yeah. I mean, what wouldn't you want to believe in it too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Still. I yeah. So they go to inspect the spoils of their little skirmish, and there's a crate full of staff weapons and another crate full of weapons grade Naquita. Katana will be keeping these staffs, but will give SG1 a fair share of the Naquita. Also, there's a mothership coming. Apparently, what? Some Jaffa that are loyal to Kitano have led a mutiny, and they're on their way to Kalmon now. Jack's concerned about the risk of doing such a thing, but Kitano's not worried at all and invites Jack to see inv- and invites Jack to the Stargate to see what's about to go down. And what's about to go down is that Kitano is sending Turok and a small squadron of Jaffa on a suicide mission, which is completely fine, right? Yes, totally, totally, totally yeah. fine. This is where that comment um, comes of, uh, we should abandon centuries of Jaffa tradition and follow the ways of the Tari, which of us is arrogant. Ah, yes. Okay. That's where that I, yeah, that just stuck out to me so much because it was like, yes. mm, the Jaffa traditions were developed by the Gould. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. she? Yes. But apparently uh, this little squadron are off to Nirti's stronghold to kill her slash her Jaffa so they don't find out about the ambush that they did, I think, is what he's saying. Because he's like, we can't let Nirti know what we did. So go blow something up along with yourselves. 
I think yeah, I'm, a, I'm a little yeah. unclear, like where exactly they're going and what slash who they're going to be blowing up. There are a couple of things in this that are fuzzy to me. That being one of them. Yes, I yes. don't. I didn't really get that either. Yeah. If anybody's in ideas where the squadron of Jafar are going, let us know. Because, yeah, we're puzzled. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack, you know, obviously tries to stop this, but Rachnor blocks his way. So Turok runs through the gate with the squad and a Nequita enhanced bomb strapped to his chest. Fantastic. Kitano refers to this action as a proof of the strength of their resolve. Jack calls it proof of his arrogance. And there's again the butting of heads as to this is not how things are done on Earth. That means their way is wrong. And Kitano's like, we're at war. And Daniel's like, maybe we can find some common, if, you know, we need some kind of common ground here if we're going to have an alliance. Mm-hmm. Kitano doesn't think they need to compromise. They can just wait for the mothership to arrive and see the new strength of their force. If not, SG-1 is free to leave. So mm-hmm. we've kind of reached the breaking point right now yeah. over this whole clash of ideals, if you will. Yeah. We see Kitano, Tilk, Bracehack, and Rachnor in a tent looking over a map and discussing plans to take down Lord Yu. Lord who? Lord, you. Me? You. No, not you. No. You. Oh. <laughs> Doesn't get old. No. Doesn't, Doesn't uh. get old. <laughs> um, Tilk mentions the events of Last Stand when Osiris stabbed you, and Kitano's like, this is why we need to strike now, because he's weak. And there are apparently several Jaffa loyal to Kitano currently in you service. Apparently there's just Jaffa loyal to Kitano all over the place. Mm, suspicious. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. Uh, if they do manage to strike down you, then the rest of his Jaffa are sure to follow those Jaffa and come into the surface of Kitano, and they'll have, like, a whole fleet of ghoul ships on their side. Ooh, convenient. Which, I mean, that would be awesome, but also, yeah. I'm not so sure. Jack pops in and tells Tilk that the rest of them are leaving, and he would really like Tilk to come with, but nope, Tilk is going to stay, as this mission to use Palace has been entrusted to him. Jack begs him not to do this, but he is. Tilk then asks Jack to join them to help ensure the success of the mission, and Jack can't do that. So, okay then. Yeah, did not feel good about this one. No. no. I feel like Tilk should have been a little bit more specific. Suspicious, but, you know, he's Tilk, so he's hopeful. Yeah, yes. He's a very kind-hearted man. Yeah. Mm. So we get the Jaffa lined up at the gate when the others approach, like Tilk and people that are going with him. And Jack asks Katano why he chose Tilk. And Katano's reasoning is that Tilk is a great warrior and has every chance of having a success at this little mission. Jack's right. like, I think it's because Tilk is also leader and you want to get rid of him. That's what I think. So, and, yep. Yeah, that Jack then brings up the point that, like, how is what Katano doing any different from what the ghoul doing, i.e. killing your enemy, taking their army, and profit? I love how the whole time Jack is describing everything that ghouls do, and then we find out he is a ghoul, and then it's like, oh. Yeah. So, So it ends up that, like, the Motap was trying to be all stealth and, like, trying to hide... But no, he just, no, no. no. Nope. What is that? Gold's gonna Tiger gold. stripes. Yeah. 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 Gold's, gold's gonna gold. Gold's gonna gold, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So according to Kitano, the only difference is that this time the Jaffa are free. And Jack's like, yeah, sure, free to follow you. And Kitano's like, I've had enough, and just like walks away. So Jack then tells Tilk that he will not be recommending an alliance as long as Kitano is in charge. Tilk tries to get Jack to like wait and be like, we'll talk when I get back. And Jack's like, I don't think you're going to be coming back. And Tilk is just like, trust me. And Stargate opens and the Jaffa head out. Kitano heads up to Tilk and tells him that when he returns victorious, he will make Tilk his second in command. So Tilk grabs a staff weapon from Braytac and with one last look back at SG-1, he heads off. Aw, boo! <laughs> as expected, things don't go as planned. And what? we see Tilk dragged before Lord Yu beaten and bound. You knows. Me? Not you. No, not you. Me? <laughs> Lord you. Lord you. Okay. Lord knows me? <laughs> oh. Sorry. <laughs> Lord Yu knows that Katano sent Tilk to kill him, but he also knows that Tilk doesn't like trust people all willy-nilly, so he'll send Tilk back to Katano's army, but he has something to tell him first. Okay, so here's the other thing that was very fuzzy for me. is mm-hmm. Why in the world would he tell Teal'c about the plan? Why would he tell him about it? I think Lord Yu is thinking, if he tells Teal'c this, Teal'c is going to go back, confront Emotep, and then Emotep is going to kill Teal'c. And then he'll be rid of Teal'c, who's, you know, sort of the voice of the, this Jaffa rebellion right now, which they want to squash, I think. Oh, so it would be the, the final end of Teal'c. Yes, so it's sort of like what Katano or well, what Emotep I mean, is planning. But he could have just because don't you learn? I mean, you're going to describe it in a second, but don't you learn that like Emotep and you are part of like the cahoots? Yes. So why didn't you just kill Tilk? Like he's right there. Because if Emotep kills Tilk in front of the other Jaffa, that will do more damage to this rebellion than if Tilk is just killed off screen. But if they see Tilk get bested. But they had plans to like bomb everybody anyway. Right. So in the end, and everyone was supposed, it's not like nobody was supposed to live to tell the story of how the legendary Tilk was bested. It I mean, was, they like everybody was supposed to die. They may have been thinking maybe some people could get away or, you know, survive and then, there would be then the people to tell of how Tilk fell kind mm. of thing. And mm. so rebellions are pointless and will only get you killed. Skeptical. Okay. Proceed with you. Okay. Um, quick thing from the commentary. They did actually film a scene with Tilk and the Jaffa, like when they arrived on Lord Yu's planet, where basically... Yuz Jaffa were lying in wait at the guard at the gate and just like captured them immediately. Oh. So we actually saw like Tilk get captured and all that, but then they decided it wasn't really necessary and it's better to just sort of cut to the chase of, hey, look, Tilk's been captured. And Yeah, you pretty much get what happened. Yeah. So we have SG1 heading back to the gate with Bright Hack and he's trying to get them to stay, but no, they're done. Katano approaches and also tries to like win them back, but Jack's like, this is over. And he's going to be holding Katano personally responsible for whatever happens to Tilk. Okay. Sam starts dialing when there is an incoming wormhole. So they all take cover and ready their weapons. When Tilk comes running through, completely ignores everybody and runs down the path back to the camp. He's just and like, also he's, very 
shining gold. He had a lot of his tealkness going on. Yes. It was also very sunny. Yes. Yeah. So Tilk rushes back into the camp where all the Jaffa are training and yells that Katano is a deceiver. He tries to reply that he's not. The mothership is on his way because he's kind of trying to play, still play this whole thing off. Mm -hmm. Um, Except that it's not going to be holding rebel Jaffa to join them. It's holding Yu's army. Lord Yu knows everything and has merely bided his time to weed out the betrayers among his ranks. And now the mothership brings their doom. So... Tilk then challenges Katano to Jomoseku. Okay, guess this is going to happen. Here we go. This is what like mm-hmm. this whole episode is going to build it towards. It's so on. Katano tosses Tilk one of those like wooden practice staff weapons, and off they go. We do have Katano getting kind of an early leg up on the fight as Tilk is still quite injured from the beating he got from Yuz Jaffa. And Jack looks like he wants to intervene, but Braytax stops him. Katano and Tilk are like taunting each other as they fight with Katano, even calling Tilk a Shulva at one point. Katano like lands a very large blow on Tilk's staff that breaks in half and Tilk is knocked back down to his knees. Katano then just whacks Tilk straight across the face and Katano urges him to beg for mercy, but Tilk dies free. Katano then steps in close and tells Tilk he will die at the hand of his god, Emotep. And we get the good <gasps> voice. And oh my god, gasp, shock, horror. Okay, so I didn't actually see it coming that he would turn out to be a ghoul. That was a fun twist. Yes, I thought it was just going to be he's still loyal to Emotep. Not that yeah. yet, not that he was Emotep. That yeah. was a good twist. Yes. Yep, yep. Yeah. So Emotep, like, steps back, does a big flip, reels up to land the final blow when Tilk grabs up a piece of his broken staff weapon and stabs Emotep in, like, the stomach-slash-lower-chest region his eyes flash, and he falls to the ground dead. Ragnar rushes up, pulls up Emotep's shirt, revealing that he has no symbiote pouch. He's not Jaffa. Tilk reveals to the crowd that, no, he was not, and he was, in fact, Emotep this whole time. Daniel posits that he took up the guise of Katano as a way to gain power over the Jaffa and, like, rise in ranks of a ghoul. Because <laughs> he couldn't just, like, get power as a ghoul <laughs> somehow. Interesting. Yeah. So while Kitano may have been a lie, his message and like this cause is not like this, this, this dream of free Jaffa is not a lie. Also, there's still an incoming mothership. So Tilk's like, like, you need to leave and come with us if you want to live. Braytek and Ragnar both speak up about how they should trust Tilk because he did defeat Kitano by the right of Jomo Seku. Tilk is their rightful leader. Jack's like, Sam, she's on it. She's getting to the gate, getting it dialing as weapons blasts start coming down from the ships in orbit. Jaffa run for the gate. Daniel leads them through. Jack comes up the rear with Braytak, who's helping Till kind of hobble along. They pause, look back the, at the camp as it's destroyed, and their time will come. Aww. And just quick note, I always love when we get that side-on split shot of people running through the gate, but not out the back. It's so simple, but so effective. Yeah. Yeah. The end. Aww. Tilk's dreams die again. Sort of. Sort of. Here's the thing. I think all of those Jaffa in that camp believe in the cause of the free Jaffa. I think Katano was really the only imposter among them, I think. 
Yeah. You'd think they got a, I mean, that would upset a lot of people of like, God damn it, I just got taken in by a ghoul again. I know. So it would make it would make you kind of question your trustworthiness <laughs> or like, you know really that trust- gullible. Yeah, like oh, damn it. Yeah, not again. Yeah. Um one final fun fact, this episode was nominated for a Leo Award for Dramatic Series Best Overall Sound. Best Overall Sound? Yes. So like there you were, know <laughs> there were no symbiotes in it. <laughs> 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 How can it possibly be the best? Because <laughs> uh, all of the other sounds were cool, like that little like chink when 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 uh, Katana like put the Naquita into the bomb on Tarok's chest. That little chink was a good sound. All right, that's like, what won it. That's what clinched it. Yep, that little chink. Yep. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay, so episode title is The Warrior, which is I, th- I think could both be a reference to both Katano and Tilk. They're both, you know, warrior in their own right. Yep. Yeah. The only one fun foreign territory title, all the others were just The Warrior, but in German it was called The Jaffa Rebellion. <laughs> Again, the Germans <laughs> just cutting straight to the point. Oh my god, these are amazing. Yep. I'm glad I started doing this because it is really fun. I don't know if anybody else likes it. I like it. So I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can find the information about it. So, <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you think this one could be called Extreme Measures? Ah, well, for Imhotep, yes. Oh, yeah, that is true. Going undercover as a as a Jaffa. Oh, God damn it. I can't get people to follow me as a Jaffa. I'm going to get people to follow me rebelling against me i don't like it's kind of evil genius though it is yeah I mean, really it is yeah but you also have to wonder like how long was he gonna keep it up and did he really expect people to be like oh okay when he revealed himself to be emotep if if he's building this whole thing on the gould are false gods and they're like yeah they are woo screw the gould and he's gonna be like surprise I'm a gould do you think they're gonna be like oh okay or do you think you'll be like fuck you and like try and kill him like what was the second part of the plan once he amassed a large enough army well huh I mean I feel like my first thought is that he never really would he would just be happy that he has the amount of power that he would amass but i mean goulds would not be able to keep that quiet they would yeah. eventually just be like haha bow to your god damn it yeah <laughs> so i don't know that's a really good point yeah i was i was a little that that's the other point i'm a little confused i was like what's what's the conclusion of this scheme of emoteps like how does this end? I don't because I, mean, I don't think it ends well for him any way you slice it. Maybe he was just kind of winging it. Maybe just the promise of like, aha, I will draw forces away from everyone else and find just another way to defeat my enemies, as it were, and like figure out the rest later. Yeah. When he's the only one left. Aha, I will I will have my Jaffa take down everybody else and then I will be the only one left and then he'll reveal himself to be a ghoul once they've killed know. all the other ghouls. Uh, <laughs> creativity points, yes. Brain planning points, no, apparently. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Definitely an out-of-the-box thinker, but... <laughs> 
not really with a good end game. Didn't yeah, he didn't really have the long game Sorry, fully planned out. out. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. <laughs> Sorry, Emotep, no. No. Mm, I'll take the mummy's Emotep over this guy any day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How funny would that have been if it had been a cameo by the other actor whose name is escaping me that played Emotep? Oh my god. Arnold Although, <laughs> oh, Okay. But awesome. obviously that wouldn't have been like a surprise to anybody then when he was like, yeah. aha, <laughs> we would have been like, we know. <laughs> Duh. The whole time. <laughs> we know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course you are. Of course. Yeah. Who else could you be? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Before we wrap up, we have a listener email. We do. We do. From listener Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Uh, the title of this email is, Are There Sexy Gold Spider Host Things? <laughs> what? Oh, go on. This is okay. fun. All right. It says, hello again. Wow, this season in particular has picked up a lot of old storylines. 2001, the Unas, Cassandra, the Tolan, and now Sarah slash Osiris. For a show that started very episodic, they've picked up a lot of threads for season five. Oh, yeah. Compared to the season-long arcs popular in television right now, Stargate has an elegant way of using episodic stories in concert with recurring characters and plot lines that don't leave me frustrated and exhausted. Oh, I agree. Cool. Yes, oh. I think so too. Since you just covered two Gould-heavy episodes, I've got a headcanon question that occurred to me after watching The Tomb. We've heard multiple times that Gould take the most attractive humans for hosts. But was that true before they used humans as hosts? Did they pick the best-looking Unas, too? Or is physical attractiveness unique to humans? Do they seek out whatever a given species prizes most? After all, if you're posing as a deity, you might want to embody that species' idealization, right? So for Unas or other species, the ideal might be strength instead of attractiveness. What do you think? Oh, man. This is a fantastic random thought. Yes. That is just a perfect thing to just roll around in your brain for a little bit. Um, okay, so now I'm trying to picture sexy Unas. Um, <laughs> well, there was that one female Unas in, in that one episode a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It was the waitress. Was she pretty? I don't know. I think I think for Unas, they would go more for strength over attractiveness. If we're yeah, gonna look at the ideal whatever. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, I know that we've talked about this, and of course, this is something that I'm conveniently forgetting. But they, I mean, have there been more species than Unas and humans as that far, inhabit? As far as has been confirmed on the show and is canon in the show, Unas and human are it. Mm-hmm. Okay. There so is. Yeah, there's speculation and fan theory based on the movie that Gould have taken Asgard as hosts before, but that is not something that has ever been confirmed in the show. Mm. Well, I mean, it's an interesting conversation anyway, because even on our existing planet as humans, like, there's very, very different ideas of attractiveness and the ideal body type depending on what country you're in yes like culture that's it's a very culture dependent thing i right. think yeah and especially yeah, probably to put it. and especially i think you know if we're going way back in history 
what was attractive, you know, 2,000 years ago isn't necessarily what's attractive now. Oh, which is a really good point, because if all the gold are thousands of year old, thousands of year old, they should all be, like, fat. Yes. Ah, I never thought of that before. <laughs> yes. They should all be fat. Yes. And voluptuous. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think it's, I think as Jeff says, I think it's whatever the ideal for that species is versus just the prettiest. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that's a good way to look at it. That's what I would lean towards. So do you think there's ever a time where a ghoul is like, mm, I don't think this body is the ideal attractiveness anymore. I'm going to swap it out. Sure, why not? Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that could account for, you know, various descriptions of gods throughout the centuries and stuff. Like sometimes they look yeah, like this, true. sometimes they look like that. Yeah. yeah, that's true. We also see like Osiris has swapped genders. You know, Osiris true. is now in a female host when before Osiris was in the male host. So, yeah, true. I mean, that, that was kind of more convenience at the point. But, yeah, maybe, hey, maybe you know, Osiris found a mirror and was like, all right, that's, that's cool work. I can make it yeah. work, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Because, you know, Sarah's not bad to look at. Yeah. Mm, true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a fun thought experiment. You're going to keep thinking about this all night, aren't you? I will. <laughs> <sighs> yeah well yeah because well see now i am thinking about like okay the golds are thousands of years old so they all should actually really look like what was attractive two thousand years ago yes which is definitely not what attractiveness is now no Mm-mm. so they all must have since been like okay we're sending out a memo <laughs> <laughs> time to upgrade this is what you should be now is this where like the 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 ghoul communication network comes in handy yes they send out photos (laughs) this is what everybody's doing these days hey hathor checking in i got the new model (laughs) (laughs) this year's model and um these are the new trends in mothership design (laughs) like and subscribe here's my channel Gould tube. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> yes. Oh, good times. So, yes, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. They went with the most attractive Unas. Oh, you're going attractive Unas, not strong Unas. Well, I mean, attractiveness being strong. Oh, okay. They Got went you. with the ideal type of Unas. Okay. Yes. I think, yes. All right. I think we agree. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Sticking to it. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff. That was fun. If it, <laughs> please, please send in more random questions. We love them. They're great. They're our favorite yes. kind of thing. Yeah. Please. Random questions. Do you have a stupid, like, headcanon about something? Let us know. We'll talk about it and let you know yeah. if we agree with you or not. Yep. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you everybody for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram at SG underscore Freewatch and now on Discord. Check for the link in the show notes or send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Menace. Bye. Bye.